When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Football Social Daily. Premier League Updates. It's Friday, it's the return of the Premier League this weekend and it has been a long time coming. We've had a racist storm over the last few days, we've had wags at war, but now it's time to focus once again on football and the Premier League in the only daily Premier League podcast. This is Football Social Daily. Joe McGraw is in the studio with me today. Hello, Jim. Fergal Brennan is as well. I am, yes, hello. I'm Jim Salverson and today we are tackling under-pressure managers as Marco Silva, Mauricio Pochettino and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. They're all facing tough and potentially important weekends ahead of them and there's been some interesting developments for all three managers. We'll talk about them very shortly. Major League Soccer, they're looking to move one of their matches to Miami this December coming. Is it time for the Premier League to do the same? Time for fans to accept that this is where football's going, so the Premier League might as well lead the charge there. Plus, we'll be talking triple captains and wild cards in our fantasy football roundup with our fantasy football guru ahead of the weekend's action. But we are going to start with those managers under pressure in the Premier League right now. That's Messrs Silva, Solskjaer and Pochettino, and we'll kick off with Marco Silva. There are a few claims before the international break that he had three games to save his job. That mm-hmm. apparently has gone down to just one game and a game against West Ham United. If he loses that Saturday lunchtime, it could be the final nail of the coffin. If Everton do pull the trigger, if they do sack him, is that just them panicking and just reacting a little bit too soon? Or is there a case to say Marco Silva is not the man for the job at Everton? I think it's a bit of both. I think uh, it would be a trigger-happy response from Everton, but they've developed a reputation in the last two, two and a half years for being exactly that in terms of the patience they've had with managers and, and how quickly they've looked to change things around. But I do also think that, you know, we've discussed it on, on podcasts previously, that the majority of criticism that Silva's come in for is is deserved. Um, I'll stand by what I've said quite a few times. He doesn't have a specific way of playing. He doesn't seem to have a system or a plan for how Everton approach games, be that at Goodison or be that away from home. Mm. Um, and I think the the pressure has essentially been brought on himself. I don't think um, the, the players are particularly comfortable with, with what he's demanding from them. Um, I think the argument that fans are unrealistic in their expectations, I don't think any Everton fan was... You know, crying out for necessarily a top four finish. Top six was the, was the objective, or at least a, make a fist of, of getting a top six place. That looks very, very unlikely as things stand. So I think the situation as it is, whether he stays, whether he goes, regardless of the result against West Ham, I think the pressure remains. I think if he, for example, if he, if he scraps out a draw against West Ham, 
does that give him much of a stay of execution? Maybe, as you say, West Ham's maybe the, the tough fixture out of the next yeah. three, essentially. So if he gets a result there, you'd like to think that that might give him a little bit of extra time. But does it just does it go? Does it reset, as you say, back to the three games? So that the Brighton League game and <laughs> yeah. then the Watford yeah, the FL Cup game. You know, how, how much longer does this go on? I think the writing's on the wall for him in terms of uh, the money that he's been given in the summer. He hasn't been able to translate it onto results on the pitch, and I think it's a bit of a mess, really, at Goodison. There's, you talk about the playing style, and I know what you mean that Marcus Silva doesn't seem to have this playing style, but I you look at the players he's bought, and it seems like the players he's bought, how, he buys them to play in a certain way. So for me, it's fast attacking midfielders. It's mm. kind of the classic counter-attack style, I guess. But it's without any specifics, like, oh, Jim, as a West Ham fan, I'll ask you a question. You're thinking of this game at the weekend, yeah. right? And you're thinking, right, well, we need to worry of this, worry of this. What what is Pellegrini or West Ham supporters actually worried about from Everton? Individuals, rather than anything in particular. Any but, particular... but have any of those individuals shown anything that you think will be a real headache for West Ham? No, not so far this season. I mean, Richarlison is a player who's always a threat. Mm-hmm. But other than that, it's quite difficult to pick out individuals that could be potentially damaging. Yeah, you're 100% right. I'm worried that they're just too far gone, like uh, you said. I think that the the writing uh, has been on the wall just because of the money that's been pumped into Everton over the last couple of uh, uh, seasons, actually. These players have come in and there's a, an ambition from Everton. There's always been an ambition from Everton, uh, as well as uh, looking at over Liverpool, the, 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 the rivalry between them two. is Liverpool growing strength and they have put money into mm. Everton and they want to compete. Goodison Park wants to be the home of top Champions League football and they've put money into it and you can't say they haven't, but have they bought the right players and have they got the right manager in charge and I don't know if that's the case these next three games now and even maybe you might get Everton in a bit of a cup run if they get uh, if they beat obviously uh, Watford in the Football League Cup if they get into the uh, the quarterfinals then does that give a bit more faith into uh, into the manager I don't know I'm just worried that in these stages of the modern game once a manager has gone too far like a mm. situation like this there's no coming back for him billionaire owners are invariably impatient when it comes to seeing returns on their investment. I think that's got to be the concern for Marco Silva and Koeman was in a very similar situation when he got sacked by Everton previously. I wonder whether it's the manager's fault though. And yeah, you've got to question the playing style and the tactics he's using, but at the same time, the recruitment at Everton, when you compare it to West Ham, the recruitment has been poor. Both clubs have invested very similar amounts of money. Both clubs, you'd have to say, have similar levels of aspirations they're both Mm -hmm. looking to break into the top six and that comes down to the director of football because both clubs have put in this system that that Manchester United very much want to see introduced where they have a director of football controlling the scouts controlling the transfers the players that West Ham have spent a little bit less money on but roughly the same have performed at a much higher level than the transfers that have come in to Everton I would agree with that and that's where when you look at Silva's situation I I do have a a small bit of sympathy for him because in terms of the control over transfers and and the influence over transfers that he has that remains a little bit of a a hidden hidden mystery almost Mm. Marcel Brands as you say deals with the majority of this he's in constant contact with Fahad Mashiri and Bill Kenwright in terms of brokering these deals but ultimately Silva Silva's role is, is still quite substantial in that he does still have an impact and also again in terms of ingratiating these players into a system and into into a into a way of playing is his responsibility. That's his responsibility. And I think, you know, we, we can't really look at a situation and think Everton are in too much danger. That was the mistake they made when they fired Ronald Koeman, brought in David Unsworth briefly, and then went for Sam Allardyce <laughs> because wow. Evertonians were, were panicked <laughs> over this 
ridiculous notion that they were going to get relegated. That is not going to happen. I don't think that's the situation now. But, you know, there's an argument to be made. Is there another manager in the Premier League failing to meet expectations as much as Silver? Mm. If, if Everton are in the scrap for that seventh place, he's currently 10 places off expectation. Is there another manager in the league doing that? We talked about his potential replacement the other day as well. Who would come in? And this will give Everton fans a bit of a shiver. Because my prediction, if Marco Silva does go, caretaker manager at the end of the season, can you guess who I'm going to go for? Hmm. Did he Did he also work at Old Trafford briefly? Meyer, David Moyes. I think David Moyes returning to Everton. The one Premier League club where I think he could probably get away with being appointed at the moment without some kind of uprising. I don't know if that would be a bad thing. I don't know if the, you, you don't oh, know. I would. For some reason, I mean, I know David Moyes is David Moyes, isn't he? But there's some reason that him and Everton clicked. and there was, I don't know if that's the... If it was just something about Everton and Moyes that really worked, and obviously it all went downhill after he left Everton. So, I mean, what was it? Was it Manchester United? Was it that he was just a good manager when he was in charge of that club? Because And if, if he was a good manager because he was in charge of that club, the, everything might just click back again. And don't get ahead of yourself, Moyes. You won't get the United job in another ten years' time. But I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. There's something quite. I can't. Nice see, about I can't it. see Everton fans going back to that type of football that David Moyes played at Everton. Yeah, uh, true. No, and I think Moyes' stock has fallen massively since yeah. he left Everton. Not just at United, but you look at the mess at Sunderland. Like he's he's dropped and dropped and dropped like a stone. But in saying that, as you say, you look at the the potential replacements for Silver. There's not obviously a groundswell of support for Moyes, but I think if you were to take the list of potential candidates to replace him, I think he would have way more supporters within the Everton fan base, mm. particularly an older Everton yeah. fan base, than you might think. People would certainly rather him to mm-hmm. Sam Allardyce returning, for yeah. example. <laughs> uh, let's move on to Spurs, where apparently there's a crisis. I'm not buying this anymore. I don't think there is as much pressure on Richard Pochettino as everyone's making out, because... Spurs go up to third this weekend, or maybe fourth it might be, if they beat Watford. And if you're going to play anyone to go up to fourth, Watford is the team you probably pick at the moment. So I'm not sure there is a massive amount of pressure on Pochettino at the moment. Interestingly, in his press conference this weekend, he made a really strange admission about the pressure that was on him. He said he'd received a text from one of the players inviting him out to dinner with the rest of the team. And he said because of that, it meant he had the full support of the squad and there weren't any issues there. Weird thing to say as a boss, right? Well, I think I read a brilliant thing uh, about an hour ago on, on Twitter about this where it said, well, Jesus had the same situation. All of his friends invited him for dinner before, you know, the, the ultimate stabbing in the back. Um, obviously, I don't think it's to that level for, for Pochettino. Certainly not yet, anyway. Um but for me, the issue with Tottenham isn't Pochettino. I think his loyalty and his commitment to the task at hand at Tottenham has mm. been admirable. You know, We all know that United was a potential um, destination for him over the summer, Real Madrid also. And he stayed because he does have a, a level of faith in the, you know, the, as much as we don't like the word project in football, but it, it does seem quite appropriate in this situation. Mm. Um, the issue at the moment is the players. I think, you know, we've mentioned it quite a few times on, on shows before. Number of players out of contract this summer. Number of players who, for want of a better want of a better cliche, don't want to be there for, mm-hmm. for a variety of reasons. Pochettino's situation is that, and I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, he's constantly been beaten with this stick of, oh, well, two months ago, three months ago, four months ago, we are in the Champions League final. That was an anomaly. Tottenham weren't expected to get to the Champions League final. They did brilliantly to get there. Some of the most exciting Champions League games we've ever seen, the, the matches with, with Manchester City and Ajax, um, that was very unlikely to be replicated, particularly at the start of the season. Tottenham are notoriously slow starters to seasons. And I just think 
you know, and I think the majority of Spurs fans would be agreeing with this and saying, you know, we're looking at the players and saying, why are you not fulfilling your side of the bargain? Pochettino seems to be. Because, you know, people only have so much patience. There's going to come a time, maybe later on this season, where it really comes home to him that the players have stopped caring and that maybe he does need to look to move on. But I think right now, the issue is far more with the with the squad. Evidence of that is kind of in the way he's been still talked about as well, that the issue is with the players rather than the manager because he's <clears> still being linked with Manchester United. Yep. He's still being linked with Real Madrid. So even though Spurs are having a blip, and like I said, they could go fourth this weekend, it's doesn't seem to be the fingers not pointed at Pochettino his stock isn't falling particularly no I just want to go back to quickly to the uh, the old manager getting a, a text to coming out for a meal I mean there's the listeners here we don't we don't play football we don't know what it's like but if you're in, in your sort of job and I'm thinking about in my job now say results haven't gone well in our job but I don't know what that would be but if there is that sort of breakdown in communication between you and the manager yeah I would say me going out with the people I work with and the manager for a meal and a, and a bit of a drink and a little chat and that informal nature of what a meal can do, that could actually be quite a nice thing that links mm. everyone together. Mm. If stuff was breaking down, obviously I work for a radio station, if stuff was breaking down there and there was a bit of like uh, pressure coming from outside and is the manager going to go? But we all went for a nice meal, there was chats, there was that bonding. I'm not saying they're going to go on now and win the league, but it could actually help. It could be, because I'm thinking, what would it be like in my work? Yeah, a nice meal where we crack on. We all talk about what the future of this club is, and we all look at each other and, uh, as if to say, well, we want this. This is The breakdown, the and media are wrong. Those issues. We'll work yeah. over those issues. Uh, that's the only thing I can really see is why he's brought that up, because he must have come away from that. He must have come away with it buzzing, because he wouldn't mm. have brought it up or not. He must have come away with it thinking, Very true. actually, he's... That was really, really good then. Mm. They're going to get beat on the weekend now, I've just said that. They're, yeah. they're going to go on. <laughs> they're going to get, gonna get playing, beat. Playing Frankie Benny's doesn't help anyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, Amen to that. I mean, you, I think probably Pochettino is going along those lines exactly because he has ruled out any personnel changes in January. He mm. says Spurs aren't going to be spending any money, so he's clearly happy with the players he's got and thinks he can still get a tune out of them as well. Final manager that's under pressure... Oh, they're going to Solskjaer at Manchester United. And the latest news isn't so much about Solskjaer, in fact. It's about Manchester United as a whole. Because although Ole's had a large portion of the fan criticism, Woodward has been the one that's got most of the fan criticism. And he gave his views in an all-staff meeting to Manchester United staff this weekend. He backed Solskjaer, but he said one thing that I thought was really interesting, which was clearly in response to the accusations that he is the man that's pulling the strings. He's the man that's bringing players in. And he Mm -hmm. said, direct quote from Woodward with this, there is a myth that we have non-footballing people making footballing decisions. I think that is an insulting to the brilliant people who work on the football side in this football club. Joe, what do you make of Woodward's statement? Woodward's Essentially, deflection of blame. Mm, I think it yeah. felt like to me. I don't. I don't like Woodward. I don't like the way he's come out and said these things in a very, in a very sort of suited to him interview. You know, the the, the guy has to question has to be questioned for a lot of things. We're in a, a position where it's part and parcel for the managers to come out after a defeat and speak to the media and get criticised by the media every single game. And even before games, the, the, mm. the manager is questioned about the decisions he is making. And that is, the, sorry, their, 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 their job. They know they're going to get questioned. He is sitting above the manager. He is making them decisions. He can't just come out the woodwork eh, uh, now and again <laughs> just to give a little interview to back himself. But is he making those decisions? He's, I mean, I'm assuming he's not referring to himself as a footballing person in this statement. But at the same time, it does seem so 
batshit crazy that a club the size of Manchester United would let an accountant control their transfer policy. It seems so far removed from reality that I kind of question whether it is reality or whether that's just a narrative that has been created. Well, there's a lot of distress, okay, and there was a lot of these sort of snide comments coming from a selection of managers that you've seen uh, over a couple of, of years at United ever since the downhaul. It's very known to us now that David Moyes believed that Bale and Fabregas were coming to Manchester United once, you know, the likes of Vidic, Ferdinand ever left, as well as Fergie and as well as David Gill. They all left the club. It was obvious to, to Moyes that there was going to be more money than there was. Jose Mourinho also made lots of snide digs about he didn't, didn't want certain players but he wants to bring in more and more attractive football but that wasn't allowed he was allowed to spend 50 million on Fred and he still doesn't know why and recent comments he's come out and said that was a mistake and it wasn't down to him and you can't mm. tell me that Ollie's going to sit there with his squad and be happy with what he's got right now we're in a position where we're nearly t- 10 games in and the best striker we have is uh, if someone who is was playing under 18's football last season that is not Manchester United's way. When Fergie was in charge of United, you had four unbelievable strikers every single season. We now have to go and dig a player out of our under-18s and start him mm. uh, for, for United. So the footballing decisions, whoever are making them, and I don't think it's the manager, I do think it's Edward Woodward. That seems so crazy though, doesn't it? Well, I, well, I, I don't know. If you're managing Manchester United, this is the biggest opportunity of your life. You are Ollie. You know how much this means to you. Why would he start the season with such a poor squad? Mm. Why would he unload attacking players? Well, he's got to have someone rubber stamp it. But I don't. I mean, there's this kind of fantasy that Woodward's sitting there playing champ manager and going, oh, Alexis Sanchez <clears throat> is doing all right for Arsenal. We'll have him. I, and I can't... I mean, if that is the case, the club is in an absolute mess. But I just can't see it quite being that scenario. Well, I think it's not too far away from that. And, and I would take on what most of Joe has said. And I think... All of this is done within the post-Ferguson context in terms of mm. the way the club runs, the way it operates. And now... And post-David Gill as well. <clears throat> exactly. Yeah. And, and now, now you're in a situation where post-Moyes and post-Van Gaal and post-Mourinho, that gradually the stock of the manager and the level of the manager has gone down. And that's not a, a particular slight on, on Solskjaer, but now we're in a position where someone like Ed Woodward is more powerful than Solskjaer. And and the reason that, you know, as you mentioned before, Jim, we, we all look at this, and particularly when you look at this as a, a non-United fan, you go, how is this happening? How is this Manchester United? Well, it's very simple. It's because we all still, particularly non-United fans, view United through the prism of Ferguson, yeah. where yeah. in under Ferguson, this wouldn't have even, it wouldn't have even, <laughs> wouldn't have even been a yeah. footnote, let alone, let alone a, a story in the paper. And I don't think it would have even been a major issue under Van Gaal or Mourinho. It started to creep mm. in during the end of Mourinho's time at Old Trafford, but... This is what we're seeing now. We're seeing for the first time in a very long time a manager at Manchester United that, for want of a better word, I'm sorry, is able to be pushed around mm. because of his profile, because of his experience. If Edward, if if Ed Woodward has to balance the books or or make financial decisions that, that he chooses or he wants to make, Solskjaer's not really in a position to question it. And particularly when United are not achieving what they want to achieve on the pitch. Here's a question for you then. Who's a better football manager? Ole Gunnar Solskjaer or Jurgen Klopp? You are Jurgen Klopp. Yeah, I think think just about, yeah, just about Klopp. In his first 29 games, (coughs) when you compare Solskjaer to Jurgen Klopp, Solskjaer has more 
Premier League points. <laughs> so there you go. So Solskjaer could be on a trajectory to be in the same category as Klopp over the next couple of seasons. Potentially, there's a little <laughs> glimmer of hope. Stick a bookmark in that United one. fans, yeah. Clip that. Play it back to me in a couple of years. <laughs> uh, right, this is Football Social Daily. We're going to come back in a minute. We're going to talk fantasy football and we're going to talk about the Premier League in the US of V. We'll do that next on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football Social Daily, Premier League updates. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. Don't forget you can get daily Premier League updates for every single football team and match day reports via your smart speaker on Amazon Alexa. All you need to do is enable the sports social skill. If you say to your Alexa device, Alexa, open sports social and give me Manchester United news, for example, you can get the very latest news from Old Trafford. But right now we're going to talk about some news that came out this week about La Liga, who have asked the Spanish Football Federation for permission to hold December's match between Atletico Madrid and Villarreal in Miami. They're going to play in Miami Dolphins' Hard Rock Stadium. And they've tried this before. Mm -hmm. I think it was the beginning of this year they tried to play a game and a game over in the US and it got knocked back because of a lack of consensus. So they're having another crack at taking the MLS, sorry, taking La Liga over to America. And I was originally really against <coughs> the idea of clubs playing any games in different countries to which their league is based. And I saw this news and I thought I'm, I'm actually kind of having my mind turned around on this a little bit because football is going to go that way anyway. We are going to see Premier League games played on the moon. We're going to see La Liga games played on Mars or whatever it might be. So why not just embrace it? Why can't the Premier League be the first one and keep that dominance as a league around the world? I think a lot of it comes to perceptions of Premier League fans within the UK in terms of it being the holy grail of football Mm. uh, and in terms of uh, preservation of the league and and various things. But you're absolutely dead on, Jim. When when you ask people, why not? When you go, I'm not necessarily saying yes or saying no, Mm. but when you speak to fans and you say, well, why not? Why why should we not do this? The reasons are generally connected to quite emotive factors. There's very little, and again, I'm not saying one way or the other at this stage, there's very little facts and figures of why it shouldn't or why why it would be a disaster or why these potential things. Um, as you mentioned, obviously, La Liga are now looking into the prospect of Atletico and Villarreal in, in, in January. But I think from the La Liga perspective, they're frustrated because initially the way it was packaged was in favour of fans. Um, there was going to be support for fans going to America, right. travel paid for, plane tickets paid for. Uh, their season tickets would be bought off them by the club if they weren't able to attend games. There was talk that it wouldn't be a top four side, that it would be a middle of the table clash that would be moved. Mm. And I think that's what's caused it, the ire in Spain so far about this. And I think, I, I think, sorry, I think I'm turning into an MLS fan already. Um, that would be the situation in the Premier League, possibly doubled or trebled because there is still this real guarded nature about the Premier League by fans of clubs playing in the Premier League. They don't want to share the product. They don't want this or they don't want this because it's it's a real, real protected kind of, um, almost a protected species, if it were. But football fans in this country want the Premier League to remain... <clears throat> with the dominance it's got, right? Because that's what brings the money and that's why we see these world-class players. This kind of move is an attempt from La Liga to kind of get that step ahead because the the wider your global audience, the bigger you will be as a league. So as Premier League fans, we kind of have to accept that this is going to happen. Well, that that was one thing I was going to add with with La Liga and I think the Premier League have reacted to this in, uh, in kind. 
this season, Facebook have announced that in um, India and Pakistan, La Liga games will be streamed live. If you have a Facebook account and you live in either of those countries and you have a, mm. a domain for either of those countries, you can watch La Liga football for free. So you are dead right in the sense of there is this race now, arms race almost, between La Liga and the Premier League to try and outdo each other. La Liga has stolen the march on the Premier League by, by that move into Asia and also this potential move into the US. I think the only thing that <clears throat> could potentially distract the Premier League from doing this is fan power because they know there would be enormous uproar from fan bases within the Premier League if this were to be mooted. For example, I, I prom- I'll promise you now, the first time this gets announced on Twitter that this is being discussed, just watch and wait what happens. Mm. Yeah, I think that you've seen, obviously, the NFL doing it so successfully. <clears throat> but um, the American fans are quite, with, with their NFL clubs, and obviously it's come over to Tottenham and Wembley, <clears> and it's an amazing occasion, blah, 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 blah. blah. Um, that, that's different. NFL is different. NFL is a, a very, like, I don't think the, the 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 love between the fans and the club is as strong as the love between us and the Premier League well, clubs that we support. It's not as deep rooted historically. It's it? not because as deep rooted. Brands might move about. Yeah. You've got this crazy thing that the draft where you're allowed one pick of. So let's say for example, United <clears throat> Rashford could go from uh, United because we couldn't hand him in this draft. Do you know what I mean? A yeah. boyhood club, a boyhood hero for United. He could just be picked off by the draft, and yeah. it's like, do you know what I mean? The, the players chopping changes. Don't no love. Players don't go to away. A team. Don't go, fans don't go to away games yes. either. Yep. Because, so yeah, there is, it's the connection's weird. Thing. I get it, but they've seen the NFL do it. They've they've uh, they know that it's a money making experience, and I do think that you know what, it could be something that will happen soon. I wouldn't be surprised, or, or I wouldn't mind if there was a game sort of in the hectic Christmas period that they send one off in mm. in America mm. because you've got back to back to back to back to back. <clears throat> games and the, the, the chaos of them all the fact that you can't really uh, sit here in apps uh, up in arms city fans because the Christmas uh, fixtures were announced they can't get back from Burnley in time by train so everyone's going to have to drive there this was this year's fixtures if they want to fit loads and loads of games in in the Christmas period uh, the Premier League maybe then take one and go do that one abroad and, mm. and see how it works I think it's the, the worrying thing is so match day fans now are of a low priority and I think we have to accept that when we look at the fixtures yeah. that were announced over Christmas this week gone and where those fixtures lie and where teams will be playing and <clears> the <throat> positioning of some of those yeah. games, you don't have to be a genius to work out that that is not organised for the match day fan. It's organised for the TV audiences, as it has been for some time. But realistically, the, the, the most fans are not going to be affected by a game being played the other side of the Atlantic. I'm a West Ham fan. I live in Manchester. I get to maybe one game a year now, if I'm lucky. Most of my consumption is via telly. And so because of that, the idea of playing a game in the MLS kind of excites me a little bit. Well, I think that, as you say, you are are absolutely correct in terms of how match-going, stadium-going fans are treated now. But I think this potential move to, to playing in the United States would only... <clears throat> would only stretch that distance even further. You know, you, you made a, you've made a, a good point there, and I'm in a similar situation. Many people are in a similar situation. You don't necessarily live within um, a short travel distance to the team that you support. You go to away games when you can. Mm. You you know, you'll sit in an empty pub on your own and watch your team, and try and bully friends into coming <laughs> with you to watch it. But you take that three 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 and a half thousand miles across the Atlantic. That adds another level to it mm. because fans, no fans particularly for your mid-table, your lower mid-table Premier League sides, are going to make that trip. Mm. There is there is going to be, I don't know, 
<clears throat> if they pick a low a low level Premier League side, a, a low level Premier League game, Norwich against I don't know Sheffield United. How many Norwich and Sheffield United fans are going to go to Miami to watch a game? Yeah. And even down to and they're clubs that do have a large portion yeah. of the audience going to matches. It's the ones that at the other end of the table that have <clears throat> the majority of their audience outside the stadium. But even just things like logistics, as you said there, the Christmas fixtures, everybody's up in arms in terms of trains or transportation to get to matches. Um, <clears throat> the decision to have Liverpool against Leicester at eight o'clock on on Boxing Day night is is absolute madness from from a fan's perspective. But look at it as I say with, with Norwich or Sheffield United. If you're a Norwich fan, for example, and you you have to go to a game in Miami, mm. you don't live near an international airport, so you have to travel into London, which is a two three hour journey into London. You then have to fly to Miami accommodation, travel, etc. whilst you're in Miami, return flights and then another two and a half hour drive back to mm. Norwich. And and I think the crucial thing here is I get where you're coming from in terms of expansion of the league and expansion of, of potential financial growth, but it, it hits the, the nail on the head for Jim's point before. It demonstrates that leagues and football institutions are caring less and less about fans, particularly match-going fans, because that match would still go ahead with or without 3,000 Norwich fans going to Miami. Yeah. I'll be honest with you, I'm just hopeful that work paid for me to go out to the very first (laughs) Premier League game. If I could have it in Las Vegas, that'd be great. (laughs) We're going to arrange that, please. Right, let's wrap up with a little bit of fantasy football chat. We welcome into the Sports Social Studio, Kieran, our fantasy football guru, who is going to be answering your questions. You've been submitting them via our social media. You can do that at The Sports Social on Twitter, or if you search The Sports Social on Facebook, you can find our page there. Any questions you have from Kieran, he'll be in every Friday to hopefully share some of his wisdom. Are you ready for these, Kieran? Yeah, hit me. Okay, we're going to start off with Helen Kay, who says, I'm losing faith with Pookie, given Norwich's terrible form. I think it's going to get worse. Do I stick or do I twist? And who can can I get in if I get rid of him on a similar or lesser value? This was a top tip from you earlier on in the season to bring Pookie in, and he did well to start with, yeah, but did. Norwich's form has dropped off dramatically. So what can Helen do? Yeah, I think the, the Pookie party's cancelled. <laughs> Something's gone wrong. Pookie party on yeah. ice. When everything was stacked against them, they had the worst <laughs> fixture list of yeah. the entire entire uh, league in the opening season. He went against the grain and kept scoring, and then it opened up, and everyone thought, well, now we can really get the Pookie party started. And uh, it's fallen off a cliff. He went from uh, having the most shots on target in the league across the first games um, to now looking across his last six. Um, he's got 13th best out of strikers for mm. shots in the box. Which 16th. isn't bad for his for his value. That's not terrible, is it? Well, I don't know. Against all of the strikers in the league? I mean, you'd expect someone... If you can have someone in your line starting every week, you want them sort of top Ooh, five. Okay. And you're looking at value in there. And it, what's even worse is he's 16th for big chances, which shows that he's not really getting the opportunities and the support from his teammates. That puts him behind um, Bat Shuai, who has only played 45 minutes in the last six games. So it gives you some indication of his standing. Now, I will preface this by saying I'm actually going to keep him across all of this. Um, He's still making good hay out of what he has. So he's fifth highest for shots on target. So the chances he has have, he's putting that sort of poacher position to rest. So would you say stick at the moment? The wise thing is stick, but... I normally say follow the underlying stats and the underlying stats show that uh, he's not getting the right opportunities and you wouldn't expect him to then turn this around. What is, I think, working his favour is he haven't got a lot of other options at that point. I think if he can find another million, Mm. then uh, it makes complete sense to move up to Abraham, who's at 7.7, so it's a 0.6 rise. If he can just find 0.3, that puts you up to Haller, 
who I think has really great form, has scored twice as much as Pookie, and again has a better fixture list coming up. Um, but he's still got Bournemouth, Man United, Brighton, Watford and Everton across his next five. Um, so it's favourable. The only other person I think at that price point, if you're looking at same or below, you're looking at Jimenez, I think. Um, but we have Santos press conference at 1pm. So wait for that to see whether he is actually fit. And you got Wesley. But across the next three games, playing Liverpool and City. So why would you bring in a Villa striker? So There you go, Helen. You might yeah. want to keep the faith for the time <laughs> being. Uh, speaking of keep the faith, we've got a question from Greg the Red, who I'm assuming is probably a City fan maybe or an Everton fan. Uh, he says, stuck with Martial since day one and the fantasy football site has been telling me for the last few weeks he's got a 75% chance of playing, yet he hasn't set foot on the pitch yet. Do I get rid? Do I keep the faith? Uh, see, I think that... I would initially say just don't trust the fantasy football site. Um, so if it's at 75%, just wait for the press conference, wait to hear it from the manager's mouth. And I thought, oh, we, we, this is probably someone who's going by the game instead of like watching the, the matches yeah. and seeing what the managers play. But then I looked at his last press conference, I think the last six in a row, he said, yeah, he's probably going to be fit this weekend, good chance of starting. And he hasn't even got into the squad most weeks. Uh, again, uh, Oddie had... Ole's uh, press conference this week again he's saying that he's got two training days so he's not quite sure about who's going to start the game uh, I got rid of him immediately as soon as he was cracked I thought mm. oh we're back to this again it's like having Arnautovic and thinking he's going to turn the world alight and he spends <laughs> half the season on the bench um, so I would say a 7.5 you also have good options around that point um, so you've got Mount and Madison who both come in at, I think it's 7.1 or 6.8, mm. um, who are in prolific form and have decent fixtures coming up. Uh, you've also got Richarlison, who Everton have good strikers. Uh, not great for actual goals in, but everything seems to be funneling through him at the moment. Um, he's picking up the points, underlying stats are looking good, and he's getting goals as well. He looked like such a bargain at the beginning of the season, Martial, because he was, a, mm. as a midfielder and playing through this middle for United as well, so a lot of fancy football fans, I think, would have been caught out by that one. Right, another question. This one's from Squirrel, who says, My squad is decimated by injuries and losing value. Still got my wild card available. Any players that I can look at for short-term options to boost my transfer coffers? Uh, well, if you're doing it to boost your coffers, you're too late. Okay. <laughs> we mentioned this last yeah, week. So you like should have done this a couple market. of weeks. Yeah, right. you need to get in at the start of an international break and play the market and see who rises and who falls. So next, there's another one in November. I November, think, November 16th okay. is your next um, next well zero game week, and so I would. Oh, he's going to have lost it by then. Well, yeah. the, the <laughs> is, issue is if you're ravaged by injuries, you're stuck. So you probably need to fix your team before then. So should you just play the wild card and try and get a full squad? Mm, yeah, because you're going to lose too much ground. If you're looking at one or two, it's probably worth taking a hit take a minus four to sort your team but if you're looking at you know you're not going to get a lot of players you if you're ravaged mm. and you can't get six on um then it makes sense if you're looking at really making ground over the next five weeks then you look at people's form and fixtures uh right at the top of that is arsenal so uh, arsenal have if you look across all of them have um the most favorable fixture list coming up followed by Wolves, followed by everton followed by man united and bournemouth i would stay away from man united players um, i've always been a bit iffy on bournemouth so I would load into Arsenal. Uh, even Wolves are a bit patchy at the moment. Mm. So I think well, you're looking at three Arsenal recently, Wolves. They have. Well, yes. I mean, as a City fan, obviously, um, that bites. Mm. Um, but I'm still, I, I still need to see a longer period of time, I think, to know okay. whether Wolves have really turned their fortunes. But I would definitely look at Arsenal if you're looking at short-term fixtures and ways to boost your team. Right, last one. This is from Mel Mel, who says, My question, how do I win the Office League? That's it. 
That's my question. <laughs> well, this is a really simple answer. It's get more points than everyone else. There you go. That's why he's our fantasy football guru. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, all, all I would suggest is just look long term. Don't look at what everyone else is doing at the moment. Uh, it shouldn't really influence your strategy. It's at this point of the season, the mind games and trying to close off opportunities and what other people have, it just doesn't matter. It's just about getting as many points on the, the board as possible. And the way that other people are playing shouldn't influence that. You're playing against the other 6 million players. So play the long game. Um, keep your own strategy and uh, don't blow your load on your bench boosts <laughs> or your Sound triple advice captains. Yeah, don't blow um, your load. A lot of people, they you know, they see themselves 50 points behind and they go, I just want to feel like I'm back in a game. Mm. And they play a triple captain on not even a double game week, but let's say Sterling's got a good fixture or something like that. Uh, you'll get punished for it later in the season when someone mm. puts it on Aubameyang in a double game week against Brighton and Bournemouth. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's it's a marathon it's not a sprint you've got 38 games to play Kieran Topman he's our fantasy football guru get your questions in from next week via the social media at the sports social on Twitter or just the sports social you can find us on Facebook there cheers Kieran thank you thank you very much Fergal thank you very much Joe cheers Jim and we'll see you next time on Football Social Daily make sure you hit subscribe so you get our next show as soon as it's ready next show is a full preview for the return of the Premier League don't miss it see you then Sports Social 